We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1 where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now. You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top five show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by DoorDash and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. And the Lakers have won Game 2 of the 2020 NBA Finals, 124-114, to uh, You know, going up 2-0 in this series. And Darius and I were talking right before we got on, and just asking him, you know, just kind of preliminary thoughts before we get too into it. And he's telling me that he's, he's kind of irritated, right? Just like one of those games where... The Lakers won, and they weren't really challenged, but you know that that wasn't their best. And it was, yeah, just like, you know, the Miami Heat were missing Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo. And I had a very different experience with the game, and it's so rare that Darius and I, when we, in our pre-show talk, like, we're usually like, yeah, mm -hmm, oh, yeah, and then this thing, you know, you guys listen, we're very simpatico on a lot of things, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, you were really irritated by this one. I want to explain a little bit why I was, my jaw was on the ground at first, and then I was just very, very comfortable, you know, sipping my hot cocoa on the couch type of energy this whole game. So, we talked in the 
in the show after game one a bit about some of the fundamental problems that Miami has with going man-to-man and switching and the targeting Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And in the preview of the series, we said, don't expect them to play a lot of zone, even though we went into their zone. But also in that game one, after watching one game, we're like, yeah, they're going to play zone. And then I tweeted right before the game, and you, uh, we were on the same page with that. Like, they're going to play a ton of zone in this game. And they did. They played it for the vast majority of this game. The part they didn't play it, though, was the first four minutes of the game, five minutes of the game. And they called a timeout. We were up 14 to 8. And 12 of our points were in the paint. And this was my jaw-on-the-ground type of moment, right? So I expected them to come out in a zone, but they started out in man-to-man. And it was dad versus young teenage son playing one-on-one type of, you know... uh, the the physical differences we we didn't really run plays much at all we lebron bodied them ad bodied them these are guys who were not particularly physical right we had myers leonard get the start in this game alongside tyler hero and duncan robinson so you've got three guys that would be targets for you know a, a defense in a man to man type of scheme all going against our monstrous guys. Now, you know, there's only so many ways we can see. We've been banging this bigger, stronger, faster drum all year. And and if you listen to the pod, you get the idea. But so why I think Darius and I go to the thought before the game of they're going to play a lot more zone in game two than in game one is in large part due to the to the injuries, right, with Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo. But not just the injuries, those injuries, it's who replaces them when you have weak individual defenders and you have multiples of those in a lineup, like you can get away with one sometimes. And that's hard in the NBA at this level in the finals, right? But one, you can live with sometimes. But two, you're in trouble. And this was a lineup with three. And it's like in high school, which is more of the realm of zones, that's what you do when you're severely athletically outmatched. You're playing the number one team in your league. They're 7-0 and in league and are winning every game by 25 points. You're a scrappy 500 team, right? And you're trying to compete with them. They're bigger, faster, stronger than you. You go to a zone because zones force – you beat zones with passes much more than you do with dribbling. And you saw a lot of ball movement from the Lakers in this game. Um, and you can – hope that I, I we played a team once that they went i think two for 31 from three <laughs> in a game and we beat them when we had no business beating them right sure and we were in zone for a lot of it but like they were just missing shots like i, I wish i could say like oh we were flying over over the place i mean when we realized we had a chance to win you know it was like oh crap you know <laughs> like it, it really kicked in with the kids but um it would that that's kind of what Miami's best bet was, right? And the hope is that the Lakers miss open threes. The Lakers did miss open threes. And these are some of the facts about this game that have my jaw on the floor and also produced one of the least intense NBA Finals games I've ever seen in my life. 
especially this early in the series. Sometimes you'll get to three and zero in a series like against the Nets in two thousand one and two thousand two in the finals. Or no, they were just two thousand two, right? Yeah, in two thousand two finals. Um, you get to that point, and, and it's a game four, and then it's kind of this level of intensity. But I, I was stunned by the lack of intensity, and it's because Miami, as a function of strategy, by going to that zone, their best bet was hoping we would miss open threes. And we did. We, KCP went two for 11 from three. Danny Green went one for eight. Those are our shooters. Miami outshot us from the free throw line, doubled us up 34 to 17. And from, they shot 91% from the free throw line, going 31 for 34. And this was a 10-point game that was never particularly close. Miami had everything go right for them in terms of what could go right with this zone. Lakers go 16 for 47 from three. That's 34%. 47 is a massive number for us. And again, our shooters didn't shoot particularly well. Uh, Rondo was really the only guy who shot well, and LeBron shot okay. Caruso, um, Caruso, he, he hit two. Oh, that's right, he hit two. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so Rondo, Caruso, and Markeith Morris, right? They went mm-hmm. eight. Oh, that's so true. They our went shot a lot better. They went. I'm sorry. They went seven for thirteen. Right. Mm-hmm. So. They had seven of the Lakers' 16 makes from sure. behind the arc. And Forgive me. I'm, I'm, yes. So the rest of the I'm team refer- went like, I'm referring to the starters, though. Like oh, our yes. Shooters, yes. Our shooters cannot, like, cannot, could not shoot in this game. And the, but there are so many problems for them, so many places on the floor. Even, like, if it's Kendrick Nunn dropping down to KCP missed a three, and it's the weak side wing's responsibility to drop down and box out the dunker spot guy. That's the rotation right there. Well, that's Kendrick Nunn trying to box out Anthony Davis, who was like 13 of 14, 14 of 15 at some point in this game, and finished 15 of 20 from the field. Um, the What has my jaw on the ground is that like a lot of things went right for Miami, in terms of this, that's the best they could have hoped for. Yeah. And it was still a 10-point game that was never close. No, that's exactly right. I really don't have anything to add. I thought that this was, I told you before, the, well, before we started to record, that that may have been Miami's best shot in terms of, like, what this specific group can do. Um, we'll see if Bam comes back on Sunday. <clears throat> um Drogic is apparently going to try to play at some point this series. We'll see about that. He's got a torn plantar fascia. Like, that's a pretty serious injury. Um, Mm -hmm. That's normally like a four to six week injury, um, depending on the severity of the tear and not a four to six day injury, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll see. I thought that this was a very good. Miami game and they sort of punched above their weight class to to mm-hmm. a certain extent for the talent that they had on the floor. Um, they got some really good performances from Kelly Olynyk. I thought that um, Jay Crowder shot the ball well. Um, I thought Kendrick Nunn, while not like 
he didn't play great, but I thought he was overall like a net positive in terms of like what he was bringing offensively and didn't get destroyed defensively except for on the backboards. Um, which hey, he's a six foot two guard. He's not right. going to box out Anthony Davis. Um, one of the reasons why I think I was frustrated this game was, and this maybe came across in the preview that I wrote for the game. There, to me, when a team is down like this, in terms of players and especially some of their bad better players it allows everyone else on the court to sort of play with a certain amount of freedom especially role Mm -hmm. role role players right they they're not going to look over their shoulder they're not getting pulled because bam's coming back in or Dragic is coming back in um that's not going to happen like the Mm -hmm. the minutes that they're going to play are almost for sure there and that allows Mm -hmm. them to play with a certain amount of looseness in an NBA Mm -hmm. finals game Um, for the Lakers what I was hoping that they would do was just completely smash them sure like that it's not it's not our personality though that's what I wanted was just Mm -hmm. so I wanted it to look like the middle portion of game one right which Mm -hmm. is this team cannot play with the Lakers um, so get up by but that, get like when they were up by sixteen or so, I thought, ah, okay, mm-hmm. here it comes. But then after right. that, it settled back in the eight to ten range, and then it was eight to ten the rest of the game. And playing even that way for the rest of the game was a bit frustrating to me. Now I also told you I'm not going to be a wet blanket about an NBA Finals sure. win, right? Like they well, won the game, it- and that was great. But for me, it was sort of just like all right, stop making the same mistake, stop settling for the same three, or that uh, or that three is wide open again. How about you make that one now? Mm-hmm. And, and so some of that was just grating on me in a way where I was like, here's your chance the, to just put this team away. I, I totally get it. Yeah, and we could have at any point if we wanted to. Right, I'm sitting here saying like, oh, we're so much better than them. And they, it was a 10-point game. We didn't blow them out, right? But this is... This is what I saw, and this is something that I, you know, I've seen in finals past with this team. This run is reminding me more and more of two thousand one, hmm. in its, um, like we don't we don't step on teams the way that you're talking, right? But this was a blowout game to me, not on the scoreboard, but by feel, in that when teams know that they can't beat a team and a team knows that that team can't beat them teams will go into that back and forth like it it was we played even we that was the lazy river if you're talking about like raging waters or water park right that was the lazy river of finals games sure we they knew that you know we get we get all these buckets in the paint in the first half then we get all of these easy shots they can't defend us they cannot defend us. They have fundamental problems in their personnel that make it, there's no good options. We talked about this in the last game. The Lakers are going to continue to score on them because everything, every option they have has a fatal flaw. And it's not scheme, it's personnel. 
that this dude cannot hang with that dude in the way that he needs to hang with that dude in this particular rotation or situation or it's just he can't it's not gonna happen over and over and over again the way it does like it's not boxing where you land one shot and you knock out yeah 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 Yeah. goliath you know like you gotta do this to the tune of a hundred and especially the the way that you know they they can't it's be physical right if if i could jump we'll we'll jump in it's whack-a-mole for the heat at this point mm-hmm. and yeah. and the lakers continue to have another answer for them at at every turn and i totally get that right um there's really no getting around that with these versions of these teams and in some way i'd almost prefer i don't almost... this is going to sound weird um, a, I would have loved for Miami to be completely healthy just off principle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, me too. Mm-hmm. Right, just off principle. I want the other team to be at their best, but selfishly, from a Lakers fan perspective, right, where all I really want is for the team to win, and so it doesn't matter how they win. No one's, No one remembers, like, the 89 finals, right? where everyone on the Lakers had torn hamstrings mm-hmm. and the Pistons win back-to-back or whatever, right? Um, right. Or they win their first title. Sure. No one, I think they would have beaten us if we were healthy, by the sure, way. Sure, but, but, but yeah, I'm just saying, no one is... N- 2008, Bynum and Ariza? Yeah, th- like, there's just always stuff like this, and that's just how, how it it's goes. It's part of the game. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just Katie how it Clay goes. last year. Um, yeah. But... The like seventy five to forty run or thirty run, I think it was seventy five to thirty, like <laughs> run. That, that and that's not a run. Zach Lowe said this on his 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 it's podcast a marathon, man. that yeah. that that's not a run. Like that's a game. Mm-hmm. Like that's basically a full game worth of like we're two times as good as you, right? And so yeah, that's that's. The that's a team feeling like they're being pushed to be at their best. Mm-hmm. And this game, the Lakers were not pushed to be at their best. And they played mm-hmm. at they played at like a B B plus mm-hmm. level. Anthony Davis played at like an A level for mm-hmm. that stretch during the third quarter. And that was totally enough to win an NBA fine finals game. And there's a certain sort of I don't know, selfish fan or me or just basketball fan that wants to see both teams at their best and especially the team that I want to win. I really want to see them at their best. And I think Mm -hmm. the players themselves want to be at their best. And even the looks on their faces after the game was a little bit of they they all know they can play better than this. But you can't, Darius, you can't fake fear. Yeah, and you can't manufacture it too. I'm with you. No, like they're not afraid of Miami at all. And so they know that if, you know, Miami hits a couple shots, it's a it's a 6-point game now. Like just turn it up for a little bit and it's a 14-point game now. And it's this is what I'm marveling at. Bro, this Miami team beat Milwaukee in 5. And I know they're missing two of their very main guys tonight. But that seventy-five to forty run, like what? What do we talk about about 
when we were talking about we knew that 18 to 0 run against Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that in that game? Yeah. And I've I've mentioned that particular run a couple of times. That's a serious because if you're a if you're a high-end team and we thought Milwaukee was possibly a finals opponent, right? The probable finals opponent even coming out of the west, uh, out of the east. If you're that level of a team, you can you could stop it before it gets to 18. You have multiple opportunities and multiple parts of what you do that are generally unstoppable for the rest of the league, right? That's why you have the record that you do and you're on a 70-win pace. So when you can go 18-0 on a 70-win pace team that's trying, that is that's next level ceiling, man. That's that's uh you're you're playing outdoors at that point. There is there's not a ceiling and that's before the games really, really matter. And Anthony Davis being able to take it up a couple of levels in the playoffs makes that whole concept just even even more severe. And so I hope they play again, right? I hope they're they're healthy, but it, it's not like it's a personnel thing. I am blown away by in this year that was supposed to be parody this one team emerged as way better than everybody else. And it just happened to be our team. Yeah. This Lakers team is looking more and more like the juggernaut team that was the really horde, man. Well, really. And even going back to some of our early discussions about what this team could be, and this is a different version too, right? Like they've made some changes, um, but they are playing more and more towards the best versions of themselves over the course of a over the course of a playoff run, and um, not this specific game, but this run in general. This is what their peak sort of looks like. Right. And um, as a fan, that's incredible to watch. And so I'm with you there. I think the nitpicky sort of perfectionist part of me. Right. And it's great. We need that. That's part of like our Lakers soul, too. Right. It's like Kobe, like, why didn't you win by 45? You know, like the thing is, though, is like that's not my typical reaction to things like this. Uh Right. I, I, I am much more of the guy who finds. Yeah, that's why I was surprised. Who finds the I optimistic side of They had no chance in this game. That's why, and that's why, <laughs> that's why, honestly, it's, it's, it's such a weird thing to say, <clears throat> but that's why I wanted more, right? There is a ruthlessness in me as a competitor as well, where I'm just like, oh, you've got no chance. Well, then I want to bury you. It's like if right. I was, if I had the opportunity, we've all played pickup ball, right? Mm-hmm. And games to 21. If we're up 17 to 3, I want to win 21 to 3. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, I don't want to win 21 14. That's just, I guess th- that's just me personally. I, look, even I, though no, I'm like that too. I wanna I wanna win. I'm very competitive. It's more to me about the outcome though than it is about like embarrassing you. You know, I mean, there are some teams. I guess it, like if we were playing the 
If we were playing certain teams, well, I so, said some things. If, um, I, if we were playing certain things, I would teams I would want us to be getting those 35, 40. I guess I just don't feel that like it felt so secured. I'm that is like what's the point? What's the difference? You know, I, I'm with you. Like there is also a part 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 of me though where you're talking about the result and I'm talking about the result too. But I would also switch it to process. And I know, but this is the end of the process, man. It, it is. And there ain't no, nobody, nobody else to conquer. I'm with this. you 100%. As the person in me, though, that, that, is, that can't turn that part of my brain off when I'm uh-huh. watching. I get it. Right? I get it. Then it's like, oh, another, another swing, swing, three, miss. Right? Like, oh, another, another pass where you hedge high on on the dribble handoff se- sequence, quick dive by the screen man, where's the help? Like, another one of those, right? I was talking to you about that before we star started to record the pod, that that's, like, I I call that the Kyle Korver pass, because, mm-hmm. um, and Robinson, and Hero, and even Olenek were, they were all sort of making that pass, and it was like, it it was just one one of those things where I wanted them to clean up all of the little things, um, <laughs> even though in the end I get it did not matter. In the end, the Lakers were clearly the superior team. They were going to win this game, and mm. some of the things that just happened just annoyed me. What like what can I say? That's not. Here's a- you're not wrong about any of it, man. Like, you know how much I care about those details. You know how that I see them too, and I know we played like crap and we barely played defense in this game and uh our shooters didn't shoot well i guess for me i look at it a little differently in that with everything that's happened this year and with i mean and that means so many things for so many people but just in the lakers family with everything that's happened this year like what would you how cool would it be to snap your fingers and be watching game three of the 2001 NBA Finals to experience the for, for the first time again. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Because we talk about these teams 20 years later, and they're, they're deified, right? They are etched in stone as what they will always be they're royalty. in Lakers lore. They're royalty. They're royalty. They are, they're part of Lakers canon. But... There's also a feeling, that's why I, I tweeted out a while back uh, during the Denver series about this is what watching Shaq and Kobe was like. And most of the people that, that replied or responded, you know, were Laker fans that were either like, man, I was, I was five years old during that time, so this is awesome and I get to see, experience it, right? Yeah. Or, you know, discussing the... Like, well, you know, AD isn't as physical as Shaq, right? Getting into the basketball of it, and that's part of the fun of, of the discussion and whatnot. But there was one contingent that got really mad about that, and it was non-Laker fans. Sure. It was non-Laker fans, often relatively young, so they weren't, even if they were alive, they were not, you know, the teenagers. during That's 2001. It's almost 20 years ago, right? So you have to be at least a certain age to have been old enough to not just like sort of remember it, but be like, that was awesome and appreciate all the reasons why. And the non-Laker fan contingent was like, whoa, whoa there, buddy. No, it's not, you know? And I was like, huh, 
And in reading the responses, I realized that they didn't experience those teams on a day-to-day basis like I did. I know exactly what I'm saying when I compare a run with a Shaq and Kobe 2000 or any of those championship runs, but especially like 2001. I know what I'm what's coming out of my mouth, the weight of that, of comparing it to a Shaq and Kobe type of run. What I wouldn't give to watch those two tear up this league like for the first time again yeah, to yeah. experience those games sure. for the first not sure. 20 years later in the highlight clips or the you know the Fletcher Thomas YouTube videos where you find the the whole thing the whole 2 hours and yeah. 45 minute version of it it's all grainy i don't know how our eyes still work watching that um what i wouldn't give to experience that again for the first time and this is like that anthony davis is having one of the greatest playoff runs of all time lebron is Killing it as well, and you can tell he got way more in the tank whenever he needs to access it. And we saw that. I love that we got a LeBron, like, that's that dude game in game five, right? So I am less zoomed in on the details right now. Sure. Feeling in a place that from a basketball standpoint, not just my fandom, but just from a, if I was the coach of the Miami Heat, what would I do right now? Realizing that there's nothing to be done. I am trying to be in the moment and enjoy after all this year what is one of the greatest basketball teams I've ever seen. And even just comparing to Laker teams, right? Like, take my bias against other teams out of that. This is, if if this isn't the best Lakers team we've had, it's very close to the top. And so the ability to spend one more week immersed in the amazingness of this team i'm so grateful for this team and this season and how it went and how it's going still right i'm already talking in past tense but it just feels like this culmination of we've been through so much you know emotionally and i'm trying to be in the moment and appreciate that i'm seeing greatness right now and not just talk about it as something that existed in the past because i didn't recognize that it was greatness in the moment oh i'm sure i'll so i felt that in game one right and i'm sure Mm -hmm. i'll feel that again over the course of of this series um i think when we get to the second half of the pod and and maybe we we dig in a little bit more to to like the individual performances and some of the Mm -hmm. tactical stuff that that mattered and then even start to talk a little bit about game three um I could dive in a little bit more as to sort of the disconnect between what a normal Laker game looks like and how this diverged from that in Mm -hmm. enough ways that it was sort of like watching one of those... You ever seen one of those TV shows where you're then... Where they... where. And they would do this in like 80s and 90s comedies, right? Where they would do like sort of a parody of their own show within the show. And so they'd oh, have yeah. like, uh-huh. so they'd have like characters that look and act like the characters from, from the show, but they're played by different actors. And that's how I felt at times during. <laughs> I love that analogy. Yeah. Dur- like during this game where it's just like, okay, these are the Lakers clearly. It sort of looks right? like us. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Like they're wearing the uniform. 
that's clearly Danny Green right there, and that's clearly KCP, and and obviously that's that's AD and LeBron, but the the style of play was not on the Lakers' terms. It was on the Heat's terms, and I guess not. I guess I know. Credit to the Lakers for winning this game convincingly playing a style that was not their own. It's like mm-hmm. they jumped into the Heat's game and said, oh, yeah, you want us to play this way? Guess what? We'll beat you this way, too. And that, Darius, that on its own. One, yes, this is why this is one of the greatest teams of all time. It's just another one of the many shape-shiftings that we've done. The different versions of ourselves that we can turn ourselves into – in Houston, this lineup we've never played before with Keefe as the five, right? We take out all our bigs, and then all of a sudden they smoke Houston. Because that was, whatever it was about that lineup was a glaring weakness for Houston. And then we try to do that against Denver, and we were, their bench is way too athletic. We go way too small. Right, JaVale can't keep up on the perimeter, and then it's okay. Well, what's how does how do we solve them? Start Dwight, and now we're this big bruising team that really gave Jokic and Denver issues. Right, Dwight was phenomenal in that. Yeah, and now we play this team that plays a lot of zone. Didn't do it in game one, but some personnel. Dem- Personnel demanded that they did in game two. And it's something that they do on a regular basis. And it wasn't just the, oh, AD does something monstrous over Kendrick Nunn. The Lakers picked apart that zone. They we did. shot like crap. We shot like crap and yes. dropped a buck 24. Yeah. And on open shots. And it's in large part because we can put LeBron James in the middle of that zone Rajon Rondo getting 10 assists out of the middle of that zone. It's like whatever you need, whatever the basketball situation calls for, we got multiple dudes who can do that at an elite level. It's extraordinary, man. And that even goes to, we're going to talk about this all summer. I'm sorry I'm I'm rambling so much in this, but even like the Avery Bradley signing, that is the, you know, heat up the ball, on ball defender type of guy. Where if we needed to shapeshift toward Avery Bradley's style of play, like Avery Bradley is one of the best in the league at a certain style of playing defense. And sometimes that style is effective against what the other team is doing, and sometimes it's less effective. But the point is that you've got all these different tools in the toolbox yeah. that whenever it's like, oh, I need to do this, oh, let's go bring in this, and it's elite. Oh, well, this is something totally different. Let's bring this in, and it's elite. It's just, it, it, it's, I, I'm just dumbfounded by how good this team is. They are, you, you know, I made the Shang Tsung uh, analogy a few pod, pods ago. Um, if you're a kid and you're too young, young for that, then let's just use like Mystique from the X-Men instead, Mm -hmm. right? Because there is this ability to sort of, to transform and be something different and, and mold 
mold your game to fit the circumstances and then still play at a high level. And this Lakers team does that maybe better than any other Lakers team because the other Lakers teams that have been great over the years, and I've seen plenty of them, Mm -hmm. have been a this is our style and you can't keep up with it, right? Mm -hmm. The Showtime Lakers were the consummate, like, push push the pace, fast break team. They were very good on defense. But when the game slowed down, they had three of the best post players in the entire league. They had Jabbar, they had Worthy, and then they had Magic Johnson. And, and mm-hmm. in a world that centered on post play... In that style of basketball, they were was, mm-hmm. They were ridiculously difficult to to deal with. And so they never had to change. You had to hope that you were better than them. And some years, other teams were. The Lakers went to nine finals. They won five of them, right? And so they were not the best team several years. That's fine. They were one of the best teams every year, though, and that was wonderful for my childhood. Yes, it was. The, the Shaq and Kobe teams were very similar in that their style was their style, right? They ran the triangle. They had Shaq inside. They had Kobe on the perimeter. It did not matter what you had to try to combat that. They were, they were better than you. They could always go to Shaq inside. They could always run some action for Kobe or have him create. And if everything with the triangle broke down, they could go screen, screen, and roll and play two-man two mm-hmm. game. And that was yep. that. And they were too good. They were too good. This this Lakers team, and I wrote about this at the site, right, in terms of LeBron and Anthony Davis and that idea of the key maker, right, and, mm-hmm. and those two players being the bridge between an old era of basketball and, and this new era of basketball that is more perimeter-centric. And, and then when you tack on the other pieces around them, like a Dwight Howard, right, um, or a Marquise Morris, or a Kyle Kuzma, or a Rajon Rondo, or an Avery Bradley, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you can go in all of these different directions because LeBron and AD are the ultimate key. They are the key maker. They, are the, they offer you the path between two different, mm-hmm. completely stop yeah. like two completely different styles, styles of play. They, they, they turn the key and they open the door and then suddenly you're this now. And there's no way that malleability that this team has is a function of their greatness. Mm-hmm. And to now see them say, oh, okay, well, you're going to play us in zone? All right, well, then this makes Rajon Rondo more important this game than like an Alex Caruso or even a Danny Green or any of these other role player types because it's we're going to crack your zone from the middle and it doesn't have to be the 611 monster forward who does it right or the 69 greatest of all time player mm-hmm. it's going to be a 61 point guard mm-hmm. and it's very interesting to see this team morph and shift and play a totally different style um really from one game to the next 
it's it's almost like you have the superstardom of a Shaq and Kobe with the versatility of like that 09 team. Yeah. The 09 team is the closest team I can think of that could shapeshift to the same degree that this team could. There was a version of it that was really big with Kobe and Powell and Bynum. And then there was a version of it that was really graceful. There was, there was a fast version of it, and that was the Sasha, Jordan Farmar, Trevor Ariza, Powell at the five, Lamar at the four. Those teams got up and down. And then there was the winning time version yeah. that had Kobe, Lamar, and Powell. And that was the triumvirate that it was built around. And So they were the most versatile team I can think of in in Lakers history up until this point but they they did not have this gear defensively no they didn't and they didn't have um, the blunt force tools that is like there is, LeBron James I like James. that better probably because they were good on defense but that like blunt force nature. yeah but like the Lakers though and it's weird that we're doing this podcast now and like the middle of the finals and not like a month from now the, in the off season, but yeah. the idea of though like that '09 Lakers team, the, the like the team that basically decided, oh yeah, Boston, you guys play that strong side zone. Guess what? We can do that too, and we can do that mm-hmm. with length. <clears throat> and, oh, that's good. Like mm-hmm. like good in example. the same way that they had KG and Pierce and. Perkins and like PJ Brown and James Posey, right? It was, it was that style of length and and Tibbs teaching them to ice the screen, screen and roll and funnel baseline and the help is showing early. The Lakers then took that idea and said, "Yeah, guess what? We can play strong side zone too, and mm-hmm. we're going to flood the strong side with." with length and arms and quickness. And when you try to throw it over the top, the rotations are going to be there because it's Pal Gasol and Lamar Odom who are, and Trevor Ariza that are chase and Kobe Bryant who are chasing off of that. Right. And so Derek Fisher was, was six, one or six, two or whatever, but the rest of that starting group was, or the closing group, I should say, was 6'6", Kobe Bryant, 6'7", Trevor Ariza, 6'10", Lamar Odom, 7'0", Pau Gasol. And it was just flooding you with length and quickness. And that was it. There was no, but this team, this version of the Lakers has, has that plus ruggedness, plus physicality. Yeah. Right, and so they blood. They've got that blunt force tool. They they have Dwight Howard. They have Anthony Davis now. They have LeBron James, and yeah. that idea of okay, well, not only are they big and strong, but they're fast and they're agile and they're quick and they're smart. And that the smart part look needs to be talked about more too. Yeah. Look, why don't we kick it to break? Because all of that yeah. played itself out in this game in waves that I think still mattered, even though the Lakers were not playing at their top gear. Yeah, let's throw it a break. We'll be back to discuss more. 
You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash has saved me on many nights where I've been working on an LFR video and haven't had time to make anything, and it's been so convenient to have the food that I want to eat show up at my door, and now they do that in a way where your food will be left safely right outside of your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. You can choose from your favorite restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the door. DoorDash app, select your favorite spot, and food is on its way. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order of $15 or more with DoorDash. So you talked about how this version of the Lakers in Game 2 looked sort of like imposters or actors playing a... You know, different actor playing the same part. You know the actor, but it's a just a different version of them, which again is uh, speaks to the the shape shiftiness, the versatility of this team. But we didn't look like ourselves on the defensive end as well, right? Yeah. And w- what did you see that kind of didn't disrupt you the wrong way from a basketball standpoint? Well, I I, I mean, I just thought there were a lot of possessions offensively where I thought the Lakers were not as patient as they could have been against the zone. Um, and the, some of the frustration that also see, seeped in was that when they were patient and they did get the good shot, they just missed. And mm-hmm. and um, while I am a process over results guy, I do like the results too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The results mm-hmm. matter. And right. so you want to see your guys rewarded on a certain level, because it's harder to remain patient and continue to do the right thing when at the end you're not rewarded for that. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought that the Lakers ebbed and flowed a little bit more than what I would have liked offensively. Um, and as far as the like, didn't look like themselves part, um, this team had nine fast break points this game mm-hmm. um sure. that's really low mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know and even though they had um 56 points in the paint and were a plus 10 in terms of points in the paint a lot of that came from the types of plays that or in different ways than what the lakers would typically get them a lot on offensive rebounds um a lot on like little baseline little like duck ins mm-hmm. against the zone and it's just a different style and so everything was just unfamiliar enough where i was just like ah I, like this is working but i don't quite like it like i said they won the game on miami's terms which were miami mm-hmm. wanted this game to be ugly they wanted to muck it up it they their, played the a zone chance. yeah they played a zone they wanted to limit possessions right and so mm-hmm. even though even though the lakers got so the lakers took 97 shots this game mm-hmm. the heat only took 71 shots now part mm-hmm. of that was because they got to the foul line a bunch but a 26 different, like, 
or a 26 difference in mm-hmm. field goal attempts. That's a gigantic number. Yeah, man. And normally with a number that big, you win by more than 10 points, right? Just sure. because you're going to find even more ways so to score. Why did we... This is something that I think we need to do better on in just NBA coverage in general. But a lot of times we'll go off of net rating or a final analytic, right? We're, we go to the result that's produced. The this is They rank this in defensive rating uh, in the league, and this guy has a plus this... PIPM and which is not to denigrate the there's every stat is has a use in places where it's very good right but what we need to do a better job of is understanding how we got to that number like how how did we arrive at that number why is that number that number and when you talk about the 26 extra attempts what does that tell you like that screams something at me how do you get 26 extra shots oh they were so much just bigger and just yes. like getting to the offensive glass during the game yes. i thought van gundy made an interesting point or it might have even been mark jackson where he was wondering hey do you think miami's gonna start to put maybe their bigger players on the back line of the zone um rather than having them play up high because you can't continue to ask Tyler Hero and Goran, and not Goran Dragic, sorry, uh, Kendrick Nunn to box out Anthony Davis. You just can't. Um, but they never did make that change. And mm-hmm. that speaks to a point that you made during the recap pod from, from game one, or it may have even been in the conversation we were having after it. But the idea of the Heat are who they are. They're not going yeah. to like change up mid game. Like they are strategic and they can make adjustments, but they're not going to upend their entire approach to something mid game and or maybe even mid series because there's no there's no precedence for them to have success trying that. But they're going to have to go to those places to compete, right? Like the answers they've tried to come up with so far. This this is Spolster's job, right? I'm not saying that it's going to work. I'm just saying that. It's a coach's responsibility to try to everything that you possibly can to see if something's going to work. So we've been talking like this is a foregone conclusion, but Eric Spolster is trying to win game three. Yeah. So let's say he makes that adjustment and moves Butler and Crowder from the top two sure. to the bottom Good three, luck. Right? Good luck. Okay, so what does that leave? So then you exchange. You've got Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn or Goran Dragic up top. Uh what is the fundamental problem of that? That's so that's going to make all those entries to the high post so much easier. That's and, right. And what happens when the ball gets to the high post uh, when, with the guys when, that we put in the high post? When it gets to the high post there and there's not those big players who are back pressuring especially, right. then mm-hmm. LeBron's then going to turn and look to get downhill. Or he's going to turn and look to score right. from there. And AD is going to be taking these basically free throw line jumpers or he's just going to step in and then attack the rim like because over the top of them and the touches are going to multiply in the middle of the zone exponentially so would you agree that if if you allow high post catches against a two three zone if you allow those touches against the lakers you're dead done it's yes you're right yes so again this is another part of why miami can't defend us 
these aren't, this isn't just like Laker fan, like, hey, Lakers are great. We're going to always be great because we're the Lakers and try to rationalize it. There are legitimate basketball reasons where you go like, okay, well, what if we try this? No, that's, and it's, there. these are massive, severe disadvantages that it's stunning to me that there's so much of this in a finals matchup. You know, there's, it, it, you rarely get this, they, it wasn't like this against Denver, where there were Denver, parts of what Denver did that gave us problems, legitimate problems. And it wasn't as much, as many problems as we gave them, of course, but in this series, in this matchup in particular, I'm stunned at how quickly you cycle through the, well, what about this? What about that? What about that? And you're just like, they, they don't have the personnel to do it. Yeah, in a way, it was very much like the same issues that the Rockets had. Mm, but uh-huh. but the Rockets had James Harden, and they had, and they had a more... Um, well, they just had James Harden. Like they had. Well, James Harden draws a second guy. It, like, yes. it, at least you can get to the point defensively of uh, second defender attention, and that's a very important thing in playoffs, especially when it's different than the regular season. Because in the regular season, people will make the wrong rotation more often. In the playoffs, they're paying more attention. The stakes are higher. The stakes being higher means that everybody's going to do what they're supposed to do. Because they've done this their whole lives playing basketball. They know sh- their shell drills, their rotations from different spots on the floor. But everyone's going to do what they're supposed to do more often. And then it becomes, of do you have individual players that can draw a second advantage, that second defender all on their own? Because you can't rely on the defense to, me- to mess up as frequently in in the the playoffs. And so James Harden is a guy who's skilled enough to where you got to at least like send the second guy and that's that's something at the very least. Yeah, and also too, this is where and I'm going to flip back to the Lakers now. This is what has made the Lakers so devastating over the course of the playoffs is that they not only have one of those guys, they have two of them. And yeah, that's right. And that's what's making them incredibly difficult to beat in a seven-game series, which for the proponents of people who believed in the Lakers for the entire season or even gave them a legitimate, even more than a legitimate chance to win the championship, but probably placed them as co-favorites or the favorite, was that understanding of when you got to the playoffs beating a team with Anthony Davis and LeBron James four times over the course yeah. of a two-week period was going to be just really, really difficult. And the problem, and to now pivot back to the Heat just for one second, that the Heat are manufacturing situations where the Lakers are putting two on the ball. They're doing it with their shooting. They're doing it with their mm-hmm. screen game. They're doing it sure. um, with their dribble handoff actions. But the result of that is then still a a challenge shot in the restricted area by mm-hmm. a player who is not as good as a LeBron James or an Anthony Davis or even a James Harden offensively, right? Jim, like you're getting those shot attempts from maybe a Jimmy Butler or mm-hmm. a Kelly Olynyk, right? And Jimmy Butler is obviously a 
an all-star cal- cal- caliber player. I don't want to put him in the same sentence as a Kelly Olynyk. I'm I'm just saying that you run down the options of the guys who are benefiting from that two-on-the-ball action, and they're still being put in positions where the Lakers are challenging them on those plays. They're not getting wide-open layups. Yeah, with a better with athlete. This, with a better athlete. And, yeah, man, I, uh, I'm i just stunned. I'm stunned by this team. Um, how many of those guys do you think are in the NBA at any given time? You know, you said we got two of them. How many are in the NBA right now? You don't have to rank them. I'm not asking you. Just just kind of in the vicinity of being that level of a weapon in the playoffs. Maybe six. Yeah. S- seven. Right? I would put Does Kawhi. Does anyone else have two of them? No. I would put Kawhi up there. Mm-hmm. Um, on some levels, I would probably put Giannis up there, even though he's still got some growing to do in terms of rounding out his game. I think the this, the triple threat stuff. I don't think you can put him in that tier with the. He needs to be able to score uh, and have. He needs to be able to shoot, yeah, and and score out a triple threat. He can't just it can't just be like oh we're going to really focus on building a wall and that shuts down. And I'd be very like, Giannis is still fantastic. Right? I'd be but, very interested to see what he looks like in like a different offensive system if he was like a roller more rather than a ball handler more if he was. Um, that's fair. That's right? fair. Like I, he's like, a bad dude. Yeah, I think that there are schematic things that you could do. Yeah, that's a good point. That that anyway, element of it can't be overlooked. Yeah. Um. And I, I would put Luca there, personally. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is a mm-hmm. dr- he is an elite. No, I just he is a. Driver. I hadn't thought of it already. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's a, he's one of those weapons already. Yes, um, that's crazy. That's you know, crazy on like, I, in his own way, Harden is up there. Um. Postseason failures aside, uh, I'm just uh, saying, just in terms of the way you have to game plan for him, is still you're still not saying, oh, okay, well, we're just gonna guard no, no, this no, guy I'm one talking, on one. I'm talking like LeBron James, Anthony Davis level weapons. I mean, okay, well then we probably name them all. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, probably Luca, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant, yeah, right. And I'm talking playoff situations. Yes, yeah, Steph Curry. Um, and and I would say Steph Curry, of course. Steph Curry. The, the thing the thing about Steph is his size. Yeah, oh, right. but, like, but, even, that, but but no, but he's a different type of weapon. Yes, he is. He is a different type of weapon. He bends of, the this, floor. of a similar caliber. Yes, you're right. He, like you're he right. bends the floor in yeah, a way, yeah. right? And and so 100. Right. And and so you asked how many six or seven, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and we're it's the only team with two of them. Like it's definitely not ten. No. And and this is why those look, in their own way, this is why the Warriors were what the Warriors were when they had mm-hmm. Durant and and K D, right? Is they had two of those guys too. And they yeah. had a very versatile defense and they had a bunch of really good and smart role role, role players. And and look, I'm not I'm not crowning the Lakers yet. They're halfway home. <laughs> uh-huh. Right? And for all the talk that we've made about um, the Heat's lack of answers and the schematic issues that they face moving forward in the series to say nothing of the personnel stuff and the injury is- issues that they're going to have to work through um, and the the question marks around that moving forward. I'm not someone who 
blows out the candles on a birthday cake that's still at the store. Yeah. Right? So we're going to be doing that these days for sure. So yeah. so we're going to wait a little bit. Yeah. Before we before we talk more about what it's going to look like after something happens when it hasn't happened yet. But if this team is able to put together multiple seasons where they play at this type type of level, we will be having similar conversations about them that we've had about other great great teams. Those are conversations for another day. It it is very interesting though to me to sort of see the manifestation of the greatness of of these two specific players and how it's coming together in a way that really is at the top of what we envisioned it could be. And yeah. that's as and as a fan that really is a wonderful thing to watch, despite some of the frustration stuff that I expressed earlier during the pod, right? Which was me in the weeds. This is like 10,000 foot view. That's Mm -hmm. what this is right now, which I think is where you were talking about. You were hovering with your hot cocoa during this game. That's like I'm watching with Anthony Davis showing that he's (laughs) the way he's played, man, this this postseason run. If you've got that guy and LeBron James, that's my, you know, hot cocoa on the on the couch. Yeah. That that's where that confidence comes from. Right? It's like, oh, you got two of those guys and the you know who the third star on this team is, is the team defense. Yeah. It shows up it, it's it's we always we talked all year long on who's gonna be the third guy, is it gonna be Kuz? Is Danny Green gonna be that shooter that complements the LeBron A D pick and roll? It's so fun to to think back on how we thought it was going to go and how it actually has gone. And so rarely in life does something outperform your best case scenario expectations. And this team was is better than I could have possibly imagined they were going to be. And I'm a Laker fan. so And then some pretty cool ha- stuff happened with me uh, with the Lakers too. So I am just like in this moment blown away appreciating – so excited about what this team is because so rarely in life does something work out better than you could have possibly imagined. Can we talk numbers really quickly? Because I just want to give some individual players a little bit of love, right? Because we've done a lot of sort of team-wide stuff and and, and big picture stuff about where this team sits within the construct of the league and everything else. But LeBron James, 33-9-9, Zero turnovers. Four, 14 for 25, 56% shooting. Anthony Davis, 32 points, 14 rebounds, one assist, one steal. 15 for 20 from the field. This dude hit 75% of his shots. In a finals game, man. 15 for 20. Are you kidding me? Rajon Rondo, our... Yeah. Our favorite whipping boy for uh, a lot of the season. Uh, never a bad word to say ever again. I hope he forgives me. 16 points. Yeah, man. Four rebounds. Yeah. 10 assists. One turnover. Five for nine from the field. Three for four from deep. <laughs> right? And so, look, man. I know the role players didn't shoot that well. We mentioned Dan, Danny Green, and KCP. Um I want to show a little bit of love to Kyle Kuzma. He was a little wild tonight 
he was a little wild mm-hmm. in stretches, but I thought he played with wonderful oh. energy, and he did. He hit a he hit a great three. He had a great cut with a great pass from Dwight Howard. There were mm-hmm. some things that happened this game that sort of made me stand up for a second and just oh. appreciate. Yeah, that. look at these Thank guys you. work through it, and yeah. and so I don't want to like act like the entire game was me being a sourpuss about them like not <laughs> sure, making sure. like not making the extra pass right. There were so many little things that in the context of a game they just did well and played smart mm-hmm. and played together and and was it their best game was it their most no, efficient game was it even their best defensive game it was none of those things but over the it course it was a very of, poor game in fact for like we did a lot of things quite poorly but, and yeah but over the course of it all you saw those flashes of greatness both individually yeah. and as a team from a teamwork perspective where it it really was wonderful to watch. And so I wanted just to make sure that we do continue to appreciate what these guys are doing and sort of marvel at some of the performances. I thought Rondo... This this game specifically, I thought Rondo was so important, mm-hmm. and oh, that you put him in the middle of that zone, and he was just carving him up, man. Just, he was it's like ball fakes and eye movement to divert defenders. So good. I thought you know Caruso was a minus five. He was the only player today who had a negative plus minus. He also had a great like a couple great drives against the zone. Um, he had that great fourth quarter possession where he drove drove the zone and then passed it to AD. I think that was with like four minutes left or three and a half minutes left and AD got that monster dunk. And the game wasn't in question, but it was one of those possessions where both teams had sort of gone empty for a few mm-hmm. straight possessions. And, and then you thought, okay, if Miami just gets one basket here, it's going to be seven or it's going to be eight. And maybe they have some life. And then instead, AD gets that dunk and it's like back to 12 or something. And you just felt like, oh, okay. Just like I appreciated that KCP three, he had been ice cold the entire game, but he hits that three in the corner with like two mm. minutes left or a minute and, and a half left. And suddenly it's 13 again. And you're like, oh, that's the dagger, right? Now the game was over already, <laughs> but uh-huh. but I did feel good for a, for the game really being put put away at that point, uh-huh. even though it was not in question. But I felt good for KCP after having been at that point one for 10 or one mm-hmm. for nine from three, that he was able to sort of hit that one that was like, okay, the game is now no longer in question at all. Yeah. Um, those are all just, I really love this team. Mm-hmm. And it me too. And those plays were the personification of that. Just through over the course of the game, just watching them make those plays for each other in a way that really shows you what type of team they are, and not just AD and LeBron being stars. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, make sure you enjoy this. Uh, we're gonna have. Just a couple more games of this, I believe. Uh, make sure that you just take a little bit of time to enjoy that. You just you're 
watching for the first time the last couple of games of a of an all time great team. I hope you really enjoy and we have ourselves the a big old party uh, not too long from now. But I, I really think we got this. I think it's not just you know my Laker fan heart talking, but it's my my basketball head. I think there's just un unconquerable, unsolvable problems for Miami. Um, we will see. Lakers win 124-114, take a commanding 2-0 lead in the 2020 NBA Finals. We will be back. Next game's on Monday, S- right? S- Sunday. Sunday. Oh, Sunday. That's right. Sunday at 4.30 Pacific, I believe. Sunday, um, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Sunday, then Tuesday. And so, yeah, we'll record after Sunday's Game 3. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, an amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know... Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietrus jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, score. 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 Score.